five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Funny, I didn't make the connection here, but uh, I've got the got the Bugs Bunny back here, right? And I think it was in Buena Vista involved with Bugs Bunny too, if I'm not mistaken. Was that the production company? Let me just my curiosity now has gotten the best of me. Buena Vista, Bugs Bunny. Just a Bugs Bunny. Yes. The Buena Vista distribution. So Buena Vista distributed Bugs Bunny. That's the connection between Bugs Bunny. Weird. <clears throat> Strange. Buena Vista home video. Founded in 1978, and um, distributed a lot of the uh, a lot of the Bugs Bunny stuff and what else? Uh, Hopalong Cassidy, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Anyway. The Love Bug, a lot of Disney stuff, Buena Vista. Buena Vista, I guess, is the Disney arm, the distribution of the, of the Disney world. There we go. Is it really connected to Bugs Bunny or not? Or am I forcing the situation? I might be forcing the situation, actually. You see, I'm that kind of guy. I'm honest to the best of my ability. You know why? Because... um in the world of the internet, somebody's going to look shit up and say, well, you know what? Bugs Bunny was never a part of Buena Vista. It's named after Lake Buena Vista in, uh, in Florida. And there's a Buena Vista street at uh, the Disney California Adventure Park. So what is Buena Vista, the good view? Is that what that means, the good view? Anyway, I'm not here to talk about Disney's distribution arm. I'm here to talk about the Buena Vista Social Club. Uh, the reason I played that was because today is Rye Cooter's birthday. And uh, Rye Cooter, of course, being the uh, creative force behind what I think is one of the really one of the great music movies of all time. It's Buena Vista Social Club is a really special film. And 
even though it does manage to lionize, you know, Castro's Cuba just a little bit, just a little bit. It's not over the top, but the stories of the musicians and bringing them together um, and the music that's created is, so I, again, I think it's, as far as music movie goes, movies go, it's probably top three easily. As far as the documentary side of music movies, um, I would put Buena Vista Social Club, The Last Waltz, and uh, only because of the historical context, uh, Gimme Shelter, the Stone story about Altamont. Those would be my top three. And then probably just after that, you have to throw in Woodstock for the historical perspective. Monterey Pop, even though it's a small film, it's a really good film. Um, they're they're in there for sure. And then I, it'd have to take me some time to figure out. I mean, these are just great music movies. I don't think the song remains the same as a great movie. It's okay. It's not great. It's somewhere down downstream in terms of uh, music documentaries. I think D.A. Panabreaker's uh, documentary on Bob Dylan is pretty good, even though I'm not a huge Dylan guy. Uh, D.A. Panabreaker also did the last show of um, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. I believe that was at the Odeon in London. Kind of a groundbreaking movie, certainly a groundbreaking artist in Bowie. Then, of course, you get the Beatles films which aren't really documentaries until you get to Let It Be. And I always thought Let It Be was really, really depressing. <laughs> it's like these guys are like, yeah, we're kind of over this. We're kind of over this. We know we got to do it. This just has such a cold vibe. But not Buena Vista Social Club. Great, great movie, great performances. I'll never forget the, the looks on those guys' faces when they go to New York. And, uh, you know, they go to Carnegie Hall. They're just, man. And it's it's and if you think about it, like in the context of their lives, um, it's all so out of left field, right? I mean, these guys are hanging out; they're in Cuba. Maybe they're playing a little bit, but they're certainly not playing together. And this guy and his son, which is another part of the movie, which is great, is the relationship between Ry Cooter and his son. I mean, think of that as a father and son activity. You go to Cuba, you put together this awesome lineup of talent that has not been heard from for years. And you you get the you know the the best available sound recordist and and high quality film and everything. I mean, that's that's like the father-son project of a lifetime. It's incredible. But you think about it from the perspective of those musicians. And just like out of nowhere, this guy shows up and starts to draft them to be a part of this ensemble, which is just incredible. And, you know, all of a sudden their lives just pretty much change overnight. And some of them got, some of them got record deals out of it and, and made a couple of records. I mean, these are incredibly just life-changing moments, just out of the blue. It's really an interesting story. From the musicians' perspectives, 
you know, they're kind of toiling away in the in the backwaters of of uh, Castro's failed Cuba. And then here comes Ray Cooter, and then we get this great, great uh, document of their music and um, their lives and their sounds. Anyway, just wanted to share that with you. Welcome to the show. It's another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. And of course, we got to give a shout out right at the beginning, straight out of the gate, with, uh, or two rather, True Hemp Science. I got to come up with a jingle for True Hemp Science. I know, I've been threatening the jingle for a while. But uh, I should come up with Old school jingle. Anyway, you know the drill here. TrueHempScience.com is the source. And, I, and I'm going to just double down. It is the source for CBD online. It's the best stuff. I haven't met one person. And I'm sure, you know, they're out there. Chris has told me stories where that's the thing, right? You send, if you don't like it, you send your CBD back. He'll give you your money back, right? Like money back guarantee. Who else is going to do that? That's somebody that believes in their product, okay? Money back guarantee. And I've talked to him, and every now and then he'll he'll get one, but it's very rare, right? It is very rare. And that speaks to the efficacy of the product. So if you are interested in CBD and you want to get the best organically sourced CBD. You may pay a little bit more. I'm just being upfront here, but you get what you pay for. I'm telling you. Um, and if you spend a hundred dollars or more, you get a little more of that back because Chris will send you some free product. Just type in one five M I N S one five M I N S. Look at that beautiful, look at that beautiful waterfall. 1-5-M-I-N-S, when you check out, that make sure that you get that free product. And if you call in, just tell them Robert sent you. Because some people do call their orders in. It's like an old school pharmacy. Trim Science, Chris here, may I help you? And you dial it in, right? And some people are old school like that. Just tell them I sent you. $150 more give to free shipping. It's that easy. That easy. All right. Let's uh let's get into you. I always one of my favorite parts of the day is connecting with my friends. Oh, I'm supposed to oh, damn it. You know what? It's one of those moments. So what happens when you wake up late? You don't have all of your faculties. But I can change this. I can change this. I've done this before. This is one of the things I can do. And uh, let me do this. And I thought I had had it done. I thought I had had it done. And apparently, thought and action were not in alignment. So let me just paste this in there. 
And let me do that. And voila, view post, which means I get to see your texts. Look at that. There we go. Up and running. Thanks for your patience. Um, they, there is a day there. Don't wait for the second donut. No. Markets are way down again. This isn't over. I wonder what news will drop on Friday. And I think it's going to be a big dump. It's going to be a big fucking dump on Friday based on the astrology. Queen Lisa's here. What's going on, Queen Lisa? Good to see you. There's my man Thor at the door. You know, Ratskeller asks a really interesting question and one that I've been asking for years before I answer it or address it. Let me say hi to Sony. Where does all the money go? Yeah, really good question, right? Where does it go? Where does it go? Even in markets that are dropping, bottoming out, falling, right? And people are losing their assets. That means that those assets are going somewhere else. Whether it's somebody who knowingly shorts a stock or shorts a number of stocks so that when somebody um, has stocks that are supposedly, by the way, they should fucking ban shorts. I'm sorry. It's just, I, I remember the first time I, I learned about shorts. I was in my thirties and I used to go to this, uh, this place where I had a PO box and it was a copy center. It was run by these two guys from, I think they were Pakistani. They were really cool guys. I really liked these dudes, hard working motherfuckers. And I enjoyed talking with them. They were really smart. They ran a good business. And the, the one guy um, told me about shorting stocks and that, oh yeah, you can make money. Yeah, if a stock does not do well, you can make money. Well, it's called shorting. And I'm like, what? What is this about? And the minute I heard about that, I was like, there's something wrong with that model. I mean, theoretically, we're, we're supposed to uh, reward profit, right? Profit, productivity. That's how the game works. Oh, no. You can make money coming and going. So when there is a loss in the market or a drop in the market, even from that perspective, the short, you can make money. So people are making money when, when uh, other people are losing money. That's just one fundamental. Remember uh, American Airlines and United Airlines and how somebody magically shorted their stock? Pre 9-11. And all those trades are part of the public record. And nobody bothered. Could you imagine that happening today? Could you imagine that? And it does. It still happens. I mean, look, look what happened with um, SBV. The, the big kahunas were making their own bank runs through SBV. They were getting out. They were selling stock. They knew what was coming. 
we can see it now. But back then, pre, really pre-social media, I mean, 2001 was primitive in terms of the internet. But they shorted the stock. Nobody, and, and of course, the sham, the absolute sham of the 9-11 hearings, no, nobody ever brought that. What a bunch of fucking bullshit. You know, I had I had to watch my drinking during that time because I was so pissed off. Yeah, we're going to take Dick Cheney and George Bush and we're going to have a uh, closed door session. What do, you, what do you think happened during those closed door sessions? I'll tell you what happened. You ever see the movie Fargo? Where uh, the guy's trying, was it William Macy? He's trying to close the deal. He's trying. He's trying to you know sell the undercoating, and he says, "Let me go back and uh, talk to my manager." And he goes he goes into another room, shuts the door, lights a cigarette, right, and just waits a while. And he comes back. He says, "Yeah, we're close." He said, "We're close." That's what happened during the closed door session with Bush and Cheney. They closed the door. They sat around. They probably had a couple of scotches. Knowing Cheney was probably a lot more than that. Uh, a few cigarettes. They told some jokes. They exchanged exchange insider stock tips in trading. Uh, Dick Cheney probably bragged about uh, his latest exploits. And then they looked at each other and put the cigarettes out and finished their drinks. And they said, Are you good? You good? Are we good? Yeah, we're good. We're good. All right. Thanks. Very helpful. It's exactly what happened. None of it's on the record. It was a William, William H. Macy Fargo moment, right? They had the ability to track these things. Nobody ever talked about it. All right. Let's see. Where does the money go? That's where we started. Yeah, where does it go? And even when there's a loss, and it's not just the shorts, but when there's a loss, where does it go? Where does that money go? Go somewhere. Am I right? Thanks for bringing that up, Rats Keller. Uh, Mr. Key is here. It is hump day. Is there sound or should be sound? Uh, did I not do the... This is what happens when you wake up fucking late. My apologies. You know what happened yesterday? I worked out. I'm back in the workout train again. And uh, let me just see here. Yeah, I'm back on the workout train again. I'll play the Buena Vista Social Club again at the end. I apologize for not playing the sound, but I worked out. When I work out, I tend to get more tired at the end of the day. And then we have the cold weather. I'm making lots of excuses for waking up late today. And I apologize for that. Not the excuse part, but the waking up late. All right, let's see. Suzanne Summers was a hottie. I, I talked about it a little bit on my uh, 
asked her whether my my aunt used to pal around with Suzanne Summers in high school. That's when she was Suzanne Mahoney in San Bruno, California. And uh, they used to cut school and drink. There were a couple of lushes in high school. But she had the bit there. She was she was a hot ticket, man. She was a hot number for sure. Uh, sorry about the sound. I'll play it again. Oh, Fran's got sound. Good. Was I the only one who had a bad link for the town hall? I sent you email address, email crickets. Lynn, you got to know by now. Uh, email is not a thing. At least I try. I, I do my best, but I don't do a very good job. I can do better. Um, everybody else got there. So we'll see you again next time, Lynn. Is there a problem with chat? Not anymore. Three's company. I saw that when I when I was, I had no idea who's name and John Ritter portraying a good benevolent restrained platonic celibate roommate. Now he was he was he was fronting. There we go. People are coming in. Yes. Is the chat off? It's on. 69 TM. Thanks for being here. So this is the place to be. Yes. I'm also on BoxCast. Uh, Tom is not here today. He's the stable Capricorn energy in chat. Yeah, where is Tom today? Maybe shoveling snow. Kelly's here. What's going on, Kelly? Taco Tuesday, part nine. <laughs> Lisa W's here. Scrubbies is here. User 13. Gigi, hi, Gigi. One AI. Crossfire cat in the house. I'll play another uh, Buena Vista Social Club tune before we leave. Uh, JJ, what's happening, JJ? The uber talented JJ Rain de Blanc. Double K, Catherine Kramer. The Crimmies are here. What's going on, crimmies? Neo the wise. Money goes to the central bankers. Wealth doesn't disappear. It only changes hands. Yes. It goes somewhere. Leela, LMM. So Leela, you've been getting some uh, some praise for your, your work, your healing work. I gotta I gotta check it out and see if we can get you on the, the Friday forecast. Somebody was gushing about your work yesterday. I got to check it out. Glad you're here. Uh, let's see who else we have. No one you know. I don't understand shorts. It seems like only insiders can short effectively. I think they should. I'll tell you what I think they should get rid of. They should get rid of shorts. I think they should get rid of derivatives too. They should get rid of derivatives. Futures, get rid of a man. Get rid of shorts and futures, and take take the the uh, you know the artificial stimulants and the steroids out of the market. So I know that you guys are pretty hip to the trip, but this is how uh, this is how how hedge funds work. So big Uber hedge funds. Hedge funds were, in order to play and be a part of the club, 
your minimum investment is half a million dollars. So you have a hedge fund that is working with maybe 500 people, um, 500 people that have maybe a thousand people. So let's go with a thousand. Thousand people, 500,000 piece. They got a war chest, right? So what do you think they do with that money? Well, of course, they theoretically invest it, but they also use that money to influence markets. So uh, hedge funds are like gangs. And let's say we're dealing with um, the price of orange juice as a future. So what will happen is that um, let's say the spot price is here and in uh, 60 days, like you're betting that the price of orange juice will, will be above the spot price, right? So what a hedge fund will do is that they'll take their money and they'll go in and they'll buy a shit ton of orange juice. That's exactly what they'll do. What they do with the orange juice, don't I don't know. But they'll buy a shit ton of orange juice and they'll drive the price up. This is what hedge funds do. They 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 artificially stimulate markets or they artificially deplete markets. It's one of the main functions of a hedge fund. And they use their money as leverage to do that. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, look at that. We just made a shit ton of money. We have five hundred thousand dollars. That's now. Now I've got seven hundred thousand dollars in there in the hedge fund. And that's how they work. They 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 use their money to artificially stimulate or deplete markets. Then you have dueling hedge funds that are that are that are working on artificially uh, stimulating depleting markets against one another. But you know, I guess if you're really clever and you you like to you you know play the market and all that shit, and you're into derivatives and futures, and you have insider dope, or or you have a program that, or you have a system, and maybe you're really good at it, you know, and you're clever, you know, it's like okay, well, more power to you. But I think. In terms of the big picture, that stuff is really fucking dangerous. It's really dangerous, incredibly dangerous. And there have been people who have had their lives absolutely crushed because they thought they could play the futures market. And they're, you know, they're just, you know, unless you know what these you know, big movers and shakers are going to do and how they're going to distribute their capital to influence the markets, uh, you're getting set up for a beating, really. But if you took that away, you took shorts away, and you had publicly traded companies that literally had to produce, the playing field might be a little bit better. and You might get some return on investment for sound money. So that's just I may I may be completely naive, but that's just my interpretation of the market and and how 
we could bring some sanity back to it. By the way, I, I would also start to include tariffs because this whole free market idea is bullshit. There is no free market. And so it's a free market if you have exceptional amounts of capital to be able to influence the market. I sound like a fucking socialist here. Don't no, I'm a protectionist. I'm a trade protectionist. It's interesting. I played that video yesterday of uh, George Bush. We basically said, you know, the free market system is over. I mean, he said that, right? The free market system is over. That they ended it. Because he didn't want to leave his successor a mess. Wasn't that just fucking mighty wide of him? If you look at some of the deals that have been made in the, uh, you know, in the backwaters of that historical moment, you come up with a company like Tesla. Tesla has never made a profit, right? They've never made a profit. In a free market economy, Tesla would have been done years ago, but they have gotten all kinds of stimulus, right, from the government. The government has essentially been keeping Tesla afloat for whatever reason, you know, is because Elon Musk, um, you know, grandfather was, you know, one, one of the uh, madcap geniuses of the, of the technocracy when he was running around in Canada trying to avoid being jailed. I mean, I, I don't I don't know the complete answer there, but Elon Musk has been given really like every single benefit accorded to him with his company. His company should be out of fucking business. But remember, this is on the heels of what George Bush said. Well, you know, I wish we could return to free market capitalism, but... Those days are done, and I had to say, I had to stay, I had to save the country. I hated that fucker. I'm sorry, I hated George Bush. And it's so ironic now that you know we live in this time where everybody is not not everybody, but a lot of people are turning towards you know being conservative or patriotic or um, you know not giving critical race theory or wokeism a hug. Like, no, 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 thanks. I'm good. Right. But you go back in the day, and oh my God, people love George Bush. He was a big fucking hero. 9-11. Made my stomach turn. The whole, the whole Bush cabinet and cabal, all these fucking neocons. I'm sorry, I'm going to swear a lot today. I'm going to swear in mood today. All these fucking neocons, man. They just they 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 whatever was left on the carcass, they just shredded it. Right from the bailouts to the Iraq war and just sending suitcases full of cash over to Iraq. There was the Iraq war is huge money laundering, huge money laundering operation. The, the what they did in Iraq was crazy, right? I remember back in the day looking at these um, videos where, you know, Brown, Root, Kellogg, and um, 
Halliburton. They're, you know, uh, they're setting up their whatever the fucks they're setting up in Iraq. Something very official, right, in the transitional government. So they had to have all these cars and, you know, they had to, they had to buy all, all this stuff, right, to, to you know, plant the, the American flag in Iraq and make sure the operations ran smoothly. And I remember this one story about this woman who was working, I think, for Halliburton. And um, she was living, right, in this thing that they built where they were doing whatever the fuck they were doing. And her living quarters were about 500 feet away from the office that she had to go to to do whatever she was doing. And they insisted that she have a car, right? No, you have to have a car. You have to have an SUV. So they bought a shit ton of cars for the Iraq, for the post-Iraq era, right? A shit ton of cars. In a lot of ways, it was to help the automobile industry. That was another part of their little stimulus, right? And she said, I couldn't believe it. All I had to do was walk 500 feet out of my place. But they insisted that I have a car. And I, was there a day where she got in her car and drove 500 feet? And then what would happen when the cars broke down? Nothing. Nothing. Of course, they're going to break down in that weather those can it wouldn't take it wouldn't take much even if it was like a fan belt or <laughs> excuse me something really minor they just fucking leave them there they get a new car like this is what was happening in the post Iraq war just like egregious spending egregious waste and the stories of people just showing up with suitcases of money so that they could pay off the locals, right? They could pay people off and just say, look, you know, we're going to be here for a while. Can you make sure that nobody takes any pot shots at us? And there were huge amounts of money that was exchanged. I'm, I, I'm convinced that, that one of the reasons why that war and the Afghanistan war happened, there are a lot of reasons. I'm sorry, I'm going to get to the topic of the day. Trust me, I'll get there. Was the fact that they were laundering enormous amounts of money. Look at the scene at the end of when we, we, when we pulled out of Afghanistan. The, uh, and I'm sure we still have people on the ground in Afghanistan. But the majority of the people that were there Right, they're gone now. And what did they leave behind? There's a scene, and I know you guys have have have, have uh, witnessed it, right? Where there's pallets of fucking cash, just wrapped, pallets and pallets of stacks of bills. Now, where do you, where do you think that money came from? You, you might assume that that money came from the U.S. Treasury. It would make sense, right? Like, oh, those are taxpayer dollars. 
don't be so sure. Because the drug trade is huge, huge, enormous economy, and they, and they have to do something with the money. What did they do in Afghanistan? They basically farmed opium. It was a huge part of the economy. It's a drug economy. Whether it's a legit drug economy, theoretically, or whether it's the illicit drug economy. So was were those stacks of cash a byproduct of the drug trade in Afghanistan? Question mark. Or did they come from some other illicit trade and they use these wars to essentially launder money? What are they doing in Ukraine? Oh, we're going to send $3 more billion over to Ukraine so that they can have a pension fund for all the brave women and uh, children and men who have bravely sacrificed their families and lives for the war. How much do you think is really taxpayer money? Well, I'm sure some of it is in there. Don't get me wrong. Ukraine is a money laundering operation. Wars are money laundering operations. They're able to distribute the cash and the funds wherever they want to in a wartime situation. It's perfect. It's a perfect opportunity. They can pay locals. They can use agents like Zelensky. Zelensky's an agent. And they're going to wash the cash. Maybe they'll wash it through um, FTX, which is what they were doing, right? So war is a great opportunity for, for being able to redistribute illicit cash. And look no further than the Iraq war. Fucking Bush pissed me off. I, that was a hard, that was a hard time, man. I just it was. Yeah, and all these people are pounding their chests, and you know, you're either with us or against us. Please, I lost faith in a lot of Americans during that period of time, and I understand why. It was, you know. We took one on the chin, right? And so people had to rally. And you, you had this turd from Texas showing up. All right. Um, let's get into the burning topic of the day. They're here, they're queer, and they're burning it all down. So Today's uh, topic of conversation will be politically incorrect, if you haven't already figured it out. And how do I frame this? Let, let me let me do this before I do anything else. Let me let me play you a video, and uh, hopefully, um, the video will speak to. Uh, what I'm talking about here.
SBNY put out a series of commercials. I don't know if you guys have seen these commercials. They're nuts. They're absolutely nuts. In fact, they're so nuts that YouTube doesn't even have them. Let's see. Let's see if we can find it here. Doing another search. Okay. I'm going to get it. Give me one second. YouTube has buried this thing. You can't even find it on YouTube. That is really... When you can't find a commercial on YouTube... You know that the algorithm is um, working overtime here, because normally you can you can just source this stuff easily. All right, let me try it again. Let me do a different uh, search. My apologies. All right, here we go. You can't even find these commercials now. I mean, they've literally just whitewash these commercials. They're gone. They memory hold this stuff. Wow. Wow. Okay. Before I, I uh, continue to uncoil my paranoid rant, So SBNY, I'm going to do my bet here. Let me go over to Twitter. I'm going to do my best to um, SBNY had these series of commercials that had absolutely nothing to do with lending and everything to do with quote unquote lifestyle. This is this is what SBNY ultimately became. It became a placeholder for lifestyle. And when I say lifestyle, I'm talking about uh, we're we're here, we're queer, and we're using this platform to advance social causes that's what happened with sbny this is not good 
SBNY has a very strong connection to the Trump family. Maybe we'll get into that tomorrow. They're a big lender of the Trump family. Uh, let's see, or to the Trump family. Put a put a put a uh, bookmark on that. I will uh, I will circle back to that tomorrow. Let's see, man, that, they were. You can find these commercials yesterday, but not today. Let's see if I can try one more time here. Before I abandon the ship. And it was all over Twitter yesterday, too. This one, this one commercial in particular. Damn it. It's a fast-moving river. It is a very fast-moving river. If you don't catch it, it goes. All right, I'm still I'm still looking. I hate that air. Let me try this one more time. Give me one more. And why? Uh, let's just do this. The Signature Bank of New York. Let me check the videos. Finance news, images, more. Let's go videos. And let's see. Just going through the video selection here. All right, so I'm going to give you my best summation of their commercial, and I apologize. It was, is this it? I think this might be it. I think I found it. Come on. Come on. No. Okay, so it was their commercials were somewhere um, between a Bollywood video and remember how the uh, the healthcare workers were doing TikTok dance routines? That's where the that's what the SBNY commercials were about. That's what they were promoting. And since I don't want to play Tucker Carlson two days in a row, uh, one of the things that SBNY did was they were <clears throat> deeply invested in pronouns that they actually had uh, these like online webinars for their for their workers and people in, inside the inside the uh, corporation and they had like a pronoun consultant and the pronoun consultant I'm sorry 
fits the profile of what a pronoun consultant would look like. Like this shit became way more important. Way more important than banking. And it was it and you you can get a sense here that they're not alone. Right? Like the old whatever old school banking was. This is not it. This is not it. Like what, what's happening now in banking and in business across, across the United States? What's happening now in business and banking is nothing, nothing like what we have been accustomed to. And, and banking has always ha <clears throat> had some deep flaws within the system, right? And it could be exploited like the SNL thing um, back in the, uh, um, what is it, the uh, late 70s and early 80s. But by and large, there was a general sense of checks and balances. You know, like if you were Ford and you put the gas tank in the Pinto in the wrong place, there'd be a lawsuit. You'd have Ralph Nader. And then Ford would have to be culpable or not culpable. They'd have to, um, they, 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 they'd have, well, they may have been culpable. Um, they'd have, they'd have to have a mea culpa moment. Right. And then make good. I mean, there, there were, there was a period where we had a few scant checks and balances, but they were there. And there were actually people that, gave a shit and cared about their work that's gone now and there are, there are a couple of events that are key to what we're talking about here and how we got here first of all it was the rape pillage and plunder of the clinton administration where they just began selling everything off gave china most favored nation trading status gave away all the secrets you name it, it starts there. By the time we get to 9-11, and I forget who it was in chat yesterday. They brought this up, and it was a really good point. When 9-11 happened, it accomplished a number of different things. And one of the things that it accomplished is that it eradicated all of these financial records, right? That's what they were, that's what was in Building 7. That's what was in Building 7. They pulled Building 7 because there were documents in Building 7 that, that were damning in terms of the financial game. Specifically, if I'm not mistaken, the manipulation of gold and silver. But that's not, that, that, that's not the only paper trail that was in Building 7. And so you, now the evidence is gone, right? They destroyed the evidence. Apparently, there was uh, some gold involved as well. There's stories about Rudy Giuliani, you know, sending the uh, New York Fire Department into the rubble to actually collect the gold once it cooled. 
what did I, I think they got, I don't know how much, how many millions of dollars of gold they were able to recover, but they did. 9-11 accomplished a lot of things, a, a lot of things, but it's one of those moments where that's it, you know, it's a new century, that other century is done, it's over, there are new rules, right? And then Bush comes in and we get the wars and we get the corruption, we get Halliburton, we get, um, you know, Kellogg, Brown, and Root, right? And the whole, all that stuff, which, which I just talked about. And that leads us into the Obama era. And then when we get to the Obama era, we are in the sea change. And it, it is the ideological zeitgeist sea change. And since I can't find the commercial that I'm looking for, I can't believe it. Um, Remember this? Remember this? What were they telling you here? By the way, the writer of the piece, Andrew Sullivan, a log cabin Republican wrote the piece. Look at these subheads. Are you ready to eat jellyfish? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Is that was that like the uh, the roaches? Was that like the roaches and the uh, and the worms? For 2012, a fiendish new terror plot. Colin Powell's rules to live by. Netflix goes to Hollywood. The Newsweek is declaring Barack Obama the first gay president. They're not well. I wouldn't say that that's true. I would not say that that's true. I bet somebody else inside the White House was uh people said kennedy was gay i bet kennedy was bi that's what i think i think kennedy was bi nixon was wasn't gay uh johnson clearly it's not gay um uh, ford ford was a pervert but he wasn't no I know about Ford. We'll leave him off to the side. Jimmy Carter seemed like traditional family guy. There was never any real scandal around Carter and sex. So we'll throw him out. Reagan, I don't know. I don't know what Reagan had to do in Hollywood when he was young. Maybe he switched it a little bit. But there were never any of those rumors around Reagan. Bush Sr., uh, Kathy O'Brien, he's a freak. But I wouldn't necessarily say he's gay. Clinton is interesting. 
Clinton is very interesting. There was, oh, you know, always talk that he was this Lothario. He had all these extramarital affairs and being hauled around by the uh, Arkansas State Police and picking up women. Like, those stories are abundant. I don't know. Does he pass the hetero test? I don't know. Maybe. Um, and then we get to young Bush. Young Bush is fucking queer. Okay. Let's just be straight up about that. He used to have, what's his name? Jeff Gannon, AKA James, Jamie Gucker or James Gucker, who was, um, uh, the kid that got abducted theoretically back in back in the day when they were abducting kids from Omaha, Nebraska. Johnny Gosh was his name. Famous story that goes all the way back to uh, the Van Camp um, investigation into pedophiles. It leads all the way to the White House. Bush is president, by the way. Bush won. So you, you had this bald-headed dude who spent the night at the White House, I don't know how many times, 50 times. He would sign in during the day, and he'd sign out the next day. And he would be at the Washington Press Pool. You know this guy, right? He'd be at the Washington Press Pool. And whenever the questions got to hot, too hot, he would lob Bush a softball question. And he went by um, Jeff, was it Guckert and Gannon? Jamie Guckert and Jeff Gannon. But he was really Johnny Gosh. And then this is back in the early days of the internet. When you, and, and when, by the way, see, the thing with the internet is that back in the day, you could find something because the algos hadn't buried it or they hadn't or or it hadn't been erased so i remember that they were it was really easy to find that this guy gucker gannon gosh had an escort service right he he basically dressed up in camo and did rough trade that was his thing and he was one of these bald dudes. And remember when George Bush was always patting the, the bald-headed dudes on the head? It was weird. And he was one of them. So I'm not sure that Obama can lay claim to this title, at least in recent memory. But Newsweek crowns him. Right? Newsweek crowns him as being the first gay president. I don't have a problem with that at all. Joan Rivers talked about it. Cost of her life, right? Joan Rivers talked about how Obama was gay and Michelle was a tranny. I'm not making it up. Should I play the soundbite just in case somebody's listening to this? Oh, he's lying. He's lying. You guys know. You guys know what I'm talking about. Man, they so bury this shit. I found it. 
we go. Joe Rivers ain't lying. For all of you who doubt me or aren't believers, here it is in the public record. It's not a deep book. I'm telling you that uh, Nicki Minaj could read it and enjoy it. E.T.'s last interview with Joan. We were with her as she took New York in a 12-hour Pool No Punches press tour for her book, Diary of a Mad Diva. Everyone on my staff is buying my new book. She has my getting card. She took us inside her New York penthouse, getting her hair and makeup with her dog on her lap. I haven't got a clue who we are going off to next. 11 a.m., Sirius Radio, where the unstoppable Joan is stopped by everyone. Hurry up, hurry yeah, up, hurry up. Sure, of course. Inside, Joan gets emotional, revealing the heartbreak of her fight with Johnny Carson when she went off to do her own show. When I knew I was leaving the show, my first call was to Johnny Carson, and he hung up. He should have had me on and said to me, where have you been? It would have been so smart and funny. Would see me in a restaurant six years later and would walk past the one and say, Come on, let's get, to the, let's get to the chisel here. What did I do that was so terrible? 2.30, another stop and another mad celeb story. How do the Kardashians feel themselves about it? Apparently they're getting very upset about it. They are? And I find... See, they buried this shit too. Thank God. You can't even find the good stuff anymore. Let me do this. Yeah. This is what's happened with urine now. Scrubbing it clean. I had to go to a freaking Spanish YouTube channel to find this thing. And I know you all know it, but it's got to be part of the record. Here we go. How are you? You made, you made a ton of news right. officiating the wedding in New York yesterday. Is this like a, is this like a new uh, cottage uh, career move I for you? I am so excited. Okay. And I should do very well because I don't charge. And do you think that the country will see the first, the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman president? Well, we president? already have it with Obama, so let's just calm down. Got it. You know Michelle is a trans. I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We all know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. It's okay. She Lyon. But shortly after that, Joan was dying. Coincidence? So why do I bring that up? Why do I bring that up? Why do I bring up the news we cover? It's because if you go back and look at what Bush said yesterday and what Tucker Carlson said yesterday, those are two important things. Number one, Bush is basically saying the free market is over. And he uses the word stakeholder. He uses the word stakeholder. He knows what's coming. 
he set it up and he's passing the baton to Obama. And you go back and you listen to what Tucker Carlson said yesterday about the terms and conditions of either the repayment of the loan or the non-repayment of the loan and what corporations would do moving forward. And that's exactly what's happened. So Obama, Holder, the entire Obama administration was going to turn corporate America inside out. They're going to turn them out. Inside out, upside down, invert everything. And it was across all these platforms, right? This was a systemic injection of a very different culture than the United States had, had ever experienced before at that level, right? And it goes all the way back to the, the battle for gay marriage, which is where it all starts. So these, 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 um, uh, Lawsuits start happening, right? It's like, oh, we and we just want we just want to be able to have the same rights as other couples. We want to have the same rights as couples who aren't gay, and they they're able to see each other in the hospital. You know, all all this shit that goes along with it, right? Whatever, making sense. You know, any any. Rational person says, well, yeah, you know, that makes sense. So then they start to ramp up these these uh, gay marriage bills. And, of course, one of them happens in California, and it fucking loses. Well, that's not good enough. I talked about this before. We got to get a judge to overturn it who just happens to be queer. But that's okay. He's a libertarian. He's not a Democrat. He's a libertarian. He's he's open for business. That makes it okay. It's like, how fucking disempowering is that, right? People vote on something. Doesn't matter. I mean, I saw that. I'd seen this before in California. Insurance reform for cars, car insurance reform. Yeah, that didn't go anywhere. People voted. And I was like, yeah, so what? Yeah, you voted. Big fucking deal. But this is a bigger deal, right? This is this this was a shot across the bow, right? This was a part and parcel of the revolution. This was part of the revolution. The revolution that we witnessed in, in 2020 on the streets of America. That was another part of the revolution. And so what we have is we, we have this rear guard that comes in. And then what happens, right? And, and, and this is an important piece, and a lot of people don't quite understand this, is that how you get to change corporate America on a high level in terms of policy and procedure, you, you, you tie their obligation 
their debt obligation to the new program or the new program. We saw it again in 2020 with the bailout. And I guess some of these companies, I guess, have paid their money back, but whatever. But you also do it internally. And you start to hire internally, right? You get into HR. You put people in HR that are going to be there and be a part of not just the hiring process, but the complaint process. And this is where it all starts, right? This is where... Um, it's not just the quote unquote end of the meritocracy, but there it certainly feels absolutely conspiratorial. We're going to open the door and we're going to let certain people in and we're going to shut the door on other people and we're going to run this thing. And I think that's exactly what's happening. You know, are these are these people leftists? Are they communists? Are they Satanists? Are they Luciferian? Uh, maybe all the above. And I, and I think ultimately what they have is they have a real um, anger and rage towards what we would call nor normality or normies. Right. They just they want to burn it down. They just want to burn it down because it it is it is it's either too Christian or too normal or too moral or too square. Right? There is an inherent um, self-destructive component to this culture. It is inherently self-destructive. And so that self-destruction ultimately spreads. Now, listen, there are people who are going to hear this, and you may not be straight, but you listen to my material, and I thank you for that. And I'm sure if I sat down with you, we sat down together, you might agree with me. You may not necessarily be one of those people. In fact, you may not be one of those people at all. And, you know, I've gay clients, men and women. It doesn't that part doesn't matter to me. I'm just being straight up. It doesn't matter to me. But inside, right inside of that that circle, there there is um, an energy that has been put into power right you now you couple that with you know some of soros's hires people that are completely incompetent and the only thing they know is like critical race theory that's the only thing they know they know critical theory like when i saw that video of angela davis i have to say she was she wasn't, she didn't seem very bright to me. And I know she's older and everything. But critical theory is the framework for their intellectual um, exercise. You take you take them outside of the framework of critical theory, and they're lost. 
right? It's, 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 it's like a brainwashing technique. We're going to scrub you of everything. And maybe some of the things that they've been scrubbed with might be okay. Who knows, right? But we're going to replace you with, with a new program. And it's going to make you the smartest person in the room at times because nobody will know what the fuck you're talking about. They won't know what you're talking about. But that's okay. They don't need to. As long as other people that have been trained in the same ideology and rhetoric know what you're talking about, it's like you're speaking a different fucking language and you get to talk to each other in that way. You know they know. People outside of that don't know. So there's a codification. So they're in the mix too, right? They're in the mix too. But look at Angela Davis. Angela Davis. She didn't get married to a dude. There was this guy that I knew a long time ago. I knew him briefly. And um, I don't know how, I think it was on the streets of San Francisco one day and I started talking to this guy. He was a black dude. And he, he went by the name of Arn Sacknism, who's a character out of H.G. Wells. And he used to write these books. He was an interesting character. And <clears throat> he used to write these books about uh, feminism. And um, more than just feminism, it was this, this feminine spirit and um, how ultimately they were going to use the spirit to take over the world. Like this dude was on this shit a long time ago. And, you know, we would talk about uh, Bush and Reagan and you basically would say they're all in on it, right? They're all in on it. They're all... They're all pink on the inside. And so they're promoting this stuff, right? They're every step of the way they're promoting it. He says, we, this was his, uh, uh, you know, kind of theory summation is that we have really no models of, you know, the quote unquote true masculine in the world. And in fact, if anything, it's going, we're at war with these people. Those were his words, like, we're at war with these people. And somewhere along, I think, I think he gave me his pamphlet or something. It was a small book. And I actually liked him. I thought it was interesting. And I, and I tried to get the news, the magazine I was working for at the time to do a story on him. And I pitched it to the editor. And he was like, oh, I don't think so. Because he was a lefty. He wasn't going to, he, would, he wouldn't approach anything like that. He also had a, a small section in the back, which was a guide to um, some of the better brothels in Asia. <laughs> which I thought was funny. But, I mean, he was talking about this back in the 80s, right? If you do a web search, you'll find, like, little snippets on the dude. Most of you will find the H.G. Wells character. But he was not wrong, right? He was not wrong. And when you have somebody like Dylan Mulvaney, who's brought into the White House, they're showing you everything. You know, you have Rachel Levine, Richard Levine, who's pretending to be like a fucking admiral now, right? You you had the luggage thief, right? They're telling you everything. The like, <clears throat> by the time it gets to the White House, and you have these figureheads, they have long since been infiltrated into the systems. So we have radical leftists, 
right? We have radical queers. And they're the ones that have now populated the upper echelons of the fucking food chain inside of these institutions. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. And I wish I could find the damn video for the SBNY just to show you. And, and we're in trouble here, okay? We are we are in serious trouble. And, and you can't, and who knows where this is even going to go when it goes on to, um, you know, the podcast distribution side of things. It's it, it's it's a sacred cow. You can't even talk about it now, right? I mean, that's how that's how much trouble we're in in terms of upsetting the the natural balance and and the and the rush to make this all happen has been just light speed. But it's been in the works for a while now. It's it's nothing that they haven't. They didn't sit down and go, oh gee, let's do this. Let's introduce this radical queer element into society at all levels. Uh, no, it's been in the works for a while. Absolutely. I mean, even if you go to like Bohemian Grove, you know what? What did Nixon say when he went to Bohemian Grove? They were all a bunch of faggots or a bunch of fairies, right? That's what Nixon came away with. I don't think he ever went back. Listen to Kay Griggs, you know, the, the eight hours of Kay Griggs. She talks about the Cherry Marines. So it's not as if this thing is just, you know, um, a localized, you know, star search talent pool or lack of talent pool to bring this wave into power. No, this has been going on for a while and even deep into the heart of the military. When you listen to Kay Griggs and you, and you find out that all these guys are as queer as a $3 bill. So look at the military now. General Miley, look at what they're doing with the military. When we get to this point of just accepting, right? Jamie Lee Curtis the other night at the at the Oscars, her acceptance speech. It became political. It became about the acceptance of queer, transgender. I think one of their kids is transitioning, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Everything now is on message, on point. And they're going to take you down one, one aisle or the other, right? One aisle is going to be, be um, race-centric, and the other side will be identity-centric. And, you know, these are the twin flames of the talking points moving forward. Let me add just a little bit of time to the show. Uh, well, I can't say a little. Let me add some time to the show because I'm not quite done yet. And I and and I think you guys understand what I'm talking. You know, and it's tricky territory 
you know, because fuck. You know, I have I have relatives who are gay, right? And there are people who watch the show who are gay. And I'm not attacking you. I'm not attacking you. This is not what this is about. This is about an agenda and people that fit the spirit of the agenda and they're being promoted. You know, like, what? Did I, who was it? Uh, what was I reading? I was reading about uh, Klaus Schwab and how uh, Yuval Noah Harari lost his virginity to Klaus Schwab. And that whole scene in Davos is all queer. Like, it's entirely queer. And then you, you go to Davos and you hang out with Klaus Schwab. He becomes your handler. Just like in Hollywood. And then you have a guy like Yuval Noah Harari who's leading the ideological charge. The problem with this is that it is a closed loop. Right? We need the masculine and the feminine together so that we can perpetuate the species, right? This is this is the if you don't if you take science out of it for a minute, we need the masculine and the feminine to perpetuate the species. The masculine and the feminine together is not a closed loop. It's not a closed loop. It is a creative function. But when you step out of the masculine and the feminine, you have masculine, masculine, or feminine. I'm sorry, those are closed loops. And what happens with closed loops? They are finite systems. And those finite systems will end. They will collapse. So the, the finite nature of reality is built into the players that are now to a to, in a large part or to a large extent administrating key portions of reality. And so when that happens, you're ensuring that the thing that they're managing is going to collapse because it is a closed loop system. There's 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 no investment in the future. And yeah, um, Mayor Pete and you know his his partner or whatever have these children now. However, they got them. I don't know how they got them. And they may have a sliver of investment in the future, but what does that look like? Right? What 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 does it look like for them? Do you think that they want their their boys, they get boys. You think they want their boys to grow up to be, you know, straight, take on a heterosexual relationship? You think that they'll be okay with that? Oh, yeah. Love is love. Yeah, if, he, if they love women, we're good with that. Oh, no, no. I place bets on that. So, and they're not the norm, right? They're not the norm. You can't have an investment in the future with a closed loop system. 
It's just the way it is. And so when you when you have a closed loop system, you begin to look at the resources around you. And what do you do? You live for today. Fuck it. Let's throw another party. Right. Let's let's have another meaningless program on identity and pronouns. And uh, let's all feel warm and fuzzy and good inside as we're advancing the cause. When you just kind of live for today in a closed loop system. There's no legacy. When you're and some of your parents out there. And when you have a parent, when you have a kid, it changes your life. You know, all of a sudden you're like, well, shit, you know, there's more to this than me. And I got to start doing things for this kid so that they can be prepared and equipped to deal with the world. Even, you know, me as being kind of a free range parent. Um, and I got a great relationship with my kid, by the way. He's turned, he's actually turning out to be a really good kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, you know, happy that he's like adapting to life in a way that makes me feel good about me being a parent, right? It's like, <laughs> He's not a fuck up. But when you're a parent, you guys know this, like a lot of your parents, like you do things to the best of your ability as, a, as a, you have an investment in the future. And I, I just, I remember, you know, when he was young, like I was really into team sports when I was young. And I said to myself, I don't want my kid to be a joiner. <laughs> I swear to God. I didn't even want him to play baseball. Because I knew that if he played baseball, I would become obsessed with it. So I did my best to keep him out of baseball for a while. So I got him into MMA as a young kid. It's like, take, learn to take care of yourself. Right? I wanted him to have a different experience than I did with, like, sports and athletics. Because I was, like, a, a you know team ball player. And his mom said to me, I think you should sign him up for a little league. And I'm like, oh, shit, here it goes. And part of me was like, I don't really want to do this. Another part was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be really great, right? So we did that. And we we did, um, I managed his baseball teams and stuff. And it was great. Like, it was a really great experience. But it, I was always doing things to hopefully prepare him for the future. Like, there's a really great um, interview Maybe I'll play tomorrow with Branford Marsalis. And shit, should I play it now? I'll play it tomorrow. Because he also talks about 9-11. He talks about 9-11. He talks about raising kids. It's a really, really, I love Branford Marsalis. He's very thoughtful. And one of the things he says in the interview is you, you, as a, you want to expose your kids to really good influences. And um, apparently when he was young, his father used to play Wagner, God of Dameron, around the house. And he said, to this day, I still go back and listen to that piece. So I, I listened to it, and it's, it's, you know, it's been a song for, for the entirety of my life, right? So what, it was the influence that he picked up when he was young. But 
this is what we do, right? This is what happens in an open loop system. You have an investment in the future. And when you have people that represent a closed loop system, there is no investment in the future. Like even from the mindset of like a, a social Marxist, let's just take it out of the, the sex, gender, binary world, right? They don't really have an investment in the future. They have an investment in change, but they don't have an investment in the future. Because when you when you go down that rabbit hole and you go through, you know, all the great critical thinkers and minds that that have propped up social Marxism in the 20th and 21st century, there's no destination. When you when you get to the end, all you get is more change. Right. So it's a weird anomaly of being an open, closed loop system. That's how social Marxism works. It's an open, closed loop system. It's kind of a trick, actually. Because theoretically, there's all this freedom involved, right? Or you can be anybody you want to be as long as you denounce your your class and your identity. Right. And then and then it's all about progress. And moving forward, but you never fucking get anywhere because it's an open, closed loop system. And that's why ultimately these um, countries wind up failing. Although Vietnam seems to be doing pretty well, but that's a different, that's a whole different story with Vietnam. They've embraced capitalism in Vietnam. You just can't own anything. It's it's kind of like the warm and fuzzy China model. It's like it's like it's like uh, China and training wheels, you know. But by and large, it doesn't work. It's, it's never worked. It's a closed loop system. You can't expand. You can't grow. Just the way it is, right? The only way that that um, you you can grow is if the state grows. So your growth is connected to the state. Today is another victory for the party. That's where you grow. How about you? It's still a closed loop system. And that's why ultimately it failed. And so this is, now we have these agents who are the personification of closed loop systems. And what is going on in the mindset, right, of, of a lot of these people? Are, are they just drinking the Kool-Aid? Are they drinking the ideological pronoun, gender-based Kool-Aid? Or do they have an absolute hatred for society? Do they have an absolute hatred for quote unquote normality? Is that what drives them? I would say in some cases that answer would be yes. Absolutely, 100%. In all cases, maybe they're just dupes like anybody else, like dupes on the left, useful idiots, right? Maybe they just drank the Kool-Aid, or maybe it's more than that. It may be at a certain level, right? They're all in cahoots. Now, remember, a long time ago, 
you know, I got into the Mattachine Society and Harry Hay. <clears throat> and how Harry Hay was, you know, one of the architects of Stonewall. And it was he was really sort of the godfather of the quote unquote gay mafia. And they set up shop in San Francisco. And out of Harry Hay, you get Harvey Milk. And out of Harvey Milk, you get culture heroes. Out of San Francisco, you get the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, one of whom, by the way, becomes the greatest luggage thief in the history of the country and being second in command with the Nuclear Regulatory and Waste Commission. Right? So you track all of that. And it goes back to Harry Hay and the Mattachine Society and Stonewall. And so, you know, and these and these were people who were part of that group. <coughs> <clears throat> who had a disdain for L7, right? They wanted, they really wanted to burn it all down. So yeah, and they and they had cells, right? They had cells in New York and San Francisco and LA, just like any other group. And yeah, their ideology was social Marxist. They were communists at the same time. So is there a conspiracy? Are some of these people in cahoots? with one another? Do they open the door? Do they do they let other people of their um, political, socio-political, personal sexual persuasion in? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is what's been happening. And it really started, I think, in earnest post 9-11. And it really picks up speed in 2008, 2009. There's a change in the guard. And this is what we're dealing with now. Make no mistake about it. This is what we're dealing with now. You get the Lori Lightfoots of the world. And I don't have the answer to this. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe the answer ultimately will be exposure in watching these systems absolutely utterly collapse. I guess in some ways, you know, you could play the devil's advocate and look at it from a higher perspective. And that um, even the most depraved are doing God's work. And maybe this is all part of what's supposed to happen. That this is part of the system's collapse. And that the, the you know, the, the, the world that we're a part of, and I'm not romanticizing it, trust me. But the world that we're a part of might be, parts of it need to go. I don't have a problem with that. But it's what those parts are replaced with. That's the issue, right? And at some point, when the piano has fallen, you got to get out of the way. And maybe that's what this is all about. We're watching this thing that's in motion right now. That it's all about systems collapse. And the people that they've put into the positions for whatever reason, right? Ideology, greed, nepotism, you know, satanic brotherhood, who knows, right? And they're perpetuating this whole thing. It's leading to an acceleration of the system collapse. And because, in my estimation, they re represent a closed-loop circuit, it will end. 
Now it's a it's a bracing wake up call, I think, for a lot of people. They just rub their eyes and go, what the fuck is going on here? Right. We're not in Kansas anymore. And we're just starting to see this now. And a lot of people will not talk about this. They'll leave it alone because they can get canceled. It's politically incorrect. And I do my best to come at this in a way that is generally objective to the best of my ability. But once you see certain things, you can't unsee them. And once you see the patterns, like one time, it's a thing, right? Two times, it looks like the thing and the second thing are linked. Three times, and you've got a pattern. And you have the potential for what we would call a conspiracy, right? That's what I'm noticing. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. When these people show up again and again and again and again, and they're either in positions of government, Karine Jean-Pierre, she's the mouthpiece of the fucking president. You know, she's queer. She's black. She's an immigrant, right? She's everything that the social movement is supposed to stand for. And she's there every day to remind you of that. That's just one piece. Who did she replace? She replaced Raggedy Ann, went off and had some kids. How about that? Just look around. The patterns are in place. So all I'm doing is noticing. That's all I'm doing. I'm just noticing. And then when you begin to look at the picture and the pattern, and now with SBNY, the bank going down in, in just absolute utter flames. It's like, okay, they're, take, they're, they're taking a gas can to this thing. Well, why? Because they didn't have any investment. Hello, there is a word for you with a bank. Investment in the future. No investment in the future. It was all about what Tucker actually said something um, last night that I thought was pretty salient. Like at SBNY, they were partying like it was 1999 and virtue signaling like it was 2023. That's exactly what was going on. That's exactly what's going on. And we're here to witness it, right? These, these, the, these change agents have been put into place now. And if you're not paying attention, maybe you are paying attention. You just maybe you just want to look the other way. There are turtles on the fence post, and they've been placed there. And in the case of SBNY. None of these people, including the CEO, had much real experience when it came to banking. And you know who was um, on the board of SBNY? Barney Frank. Barney Frank was on the board. I should tell you everything. Um, 
my intention for the show was not to offend people, but sometimes it happens. So if I offended you, uh, I'm only apologizing for offending you because uh, and I'm not even going to apologize. It's just the way it is. I retract my apology. That's always a mistake. Um, anyway, I needed to just talk about it because I'm just I'm just I'm seeing it. Right. I'm seeing what's happening. And am I intolerant? I don't think so. Like, if you're going to be in those positions, run a fucking business. Don't run it into the ground. Right? Don't don't um, use your position to create Bollywood-style commercials touting, you know, the, the new economy. Championing the new stakeholder. You do that, I'm good. You know, we're, we're, we've got issues. But like I said, maybe it's all part of God's plan. You know, maybe, maybe these are, are the, you know, are the angels appearing as devils to, you know, ultimately create the, uh, the incineration of the, of the gross matter. The dross, as they say. All right, I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. See how I did that? I even, I even like redeemed the potential redemption of it all. Anyway, I'll be back tomorrow. Um, use your head in order to serve real, your heart to set once possible. Um, I hope you found today's show at the very least thought-provoking. And um, and we'll leave it there. Take care. Bye for now.